Okay, so you've started to gain a following online and you want to take advantage of this platform that you have, but what do you actually need to do to start making money? You see all of these other people monetizing their content and want to do the same because why would you not want to have the freedom to do what you love and make money when you're creating content? But how do you make the most of this online influence so that it's sustainable? After all, you want to make it last and have a strategy behind your business. You could just ride the high of a couple viral posts for a few months, or you could turn that influence into a full creator business that actually makes you money. I'm Kristen Busquette. I've been a full-time creator for over four years, and I've brought in over $400,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, I'm diving into exactly how you can monetize your online influence so you can get paid to create great content. This might Biz BFF is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 125 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. Okay, don't be mad at me. I know that I missed last week, but I have a really good explanation. <laughs> I was just busy having a mental breakdown on the Monday before the episode should have been released. Um, I am in the process right now of having a office shed, she shed, uh, I don't even know what to call it. But like basically this building in my backyard, that's going to be my new office. So I literally am bouncing around my house right now for the last few weeks, trying to find somewhere to work. This was a project that I was told was going to take two weeks. We are currently on week eight. And it just seems like we are literally never going to finish this. Um, It like I could go on about this for a very long time. And maybe one day I will tell you the full story. But gosh, this has just been the biggest headache of my life. Um, And so Lots of just stuff was super annoying on Monday. I also cracked my windshield the same day. Andrew got a freaking hole in his tire. Like we are just having a month. (laughs) So yeah, I basically was having a mental breakdown last Monday. That's when I usually record. So I was like, sorry, guys, this is the only time I've literally ever missed releasing a podcast episode, but it is just so necessary. A few weeks ago, I told you guys about Ziva, our new foster, who is just the cutest little girl ever. The craziest thing happen that I have to update you on though. So Ziva is 15 pounds. She looks like a little like black lab mix of sorts. She was found with two of her siblings. So she's 15 pounds. One of her siblings, 25 pounds. The other one is 35 pounds. So this, she's very tiny. Okay. Compared to her siblings. So the shelter tells us that they're estimated to be around six months. So she's really small for six months if she's some sort of a lab mix. So we take her to get spayed and before before she gets spayed, I tell the the vet, hey, I don't know why, but her breath has been just smelling really bad. Um, so maybe while she's, you know, getting spayed, like if you want to just open her mouth and see if there's anything you need to do to her teeth while you're in there, um, this is a great opportunity. So when she's finished, I go to pick her up and the vet tells me she is not six months. This dog is like probably a year old, at least a year old. And we are just absolutely shocked. Um, I told this to the rescue founder and she was like, no freaking way. Like that is absolutely insane because this dog should be so easy to get adopted now because who doesn't want a permanent puppy, right? Like this is a 15 pound, like full grown puppy and she's awesome. So if you are in the Charlotte or the North Carolina area and you need a permanent puppy in your life, Ziva is it. You guys will love her. So outside of Ziva and my mental breakdown, there's a lot of other news going on that you guys should know about. Uh, first things first, Instagram now lets you cancel a stories upload mid process. Okay. We've all had those situations 
situations where we're like, shit, 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 not ready. Why did I hit post? Oops. And then you have to wait for it to share and then you have to go and delete it. And it's like, if it's not supposed to be shared, sometimes it's stressful. (laughs) So there is now a button that actually will let you stop it from going live while you're in that process. So yay for letting us cancel our mistakes. (laughs) You can now create custom stickers from still image posts on Instagram. So you'll be able to cut out elements of your post and use them as stickers and stories and reels. I have not used this yet, but I think it's super cool if you are like me and still share your posts to your Instagram stories. Um, I know people are like, don't do that. It's so lame. I'm just like, no, I'm still going to do it probably until I get off of Instagram one day. So this I think could be really cute because you could like cut out some of the elements in your post and like, you know, make them a little fancy, make it look cool and interactive. So I think this is sweet. I haven't uh, actually checked to see if I have it yet. So we'll see what happens. Instagram also launches nighttime nudges, they're calling. It will encourage teen users to close the app when they've spent more than 10 minutes in places like Reels or DMs late at night. Um, I'm also just really curious why this is only for teens. (laughs) I am 30 and I need this feature. Thank you so much, Instagram. Threads has started to allow you to hide the share counts on your posts. Um, If you guys are still using Threads, obviously this is pretty relevant to you. So you can uh, hide the like count already and then they're just starting to allow you to also hide the share count I don't know I like I get the appeal of wanting to remove your likes or shares or whatever and not let other people see that Um, but I also do sometimes feel like for a brand coming to your page it can be a little bit damaging for them not to be able to see your stats and they have to kind of like go dig for them especially if they're doing just kind of like their initial round of casting people because they really are going to want to just see it quick and be like oh does this person have good engagement? Yes. Okay. Put them on the list. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. Meta has introduced the creator management tools for agencies in the Meta business suite. If you are anything like me, the Meta business suite is basically like the worst place ever. I hate going in there. Anytime I have to go in the back end of Meta or Facebook, like whatever, I am miserable because I cannot ever find anything. Um, So I do not care about this feature. I am not touching it. If I don't have to go back there, I'm not going back there. But to give you the the gist, it is designed to allow agencies and creators to manage their relationship on Facebook by connecting their accounts and granting access to assets and information. So for agencies that manage a lot of content creators, they'll be able to basically connect with the creator's accounts easier, uh, direct a creator's page earnings to the agency payout account, and mitigate security risk. So, okay, cool. That's great and everything, but do not ask me to go back there. I'm serious. Instagram is now also working on the ability to add a reason to your follow request. So if someone's uh, account is private and you go to request them, you can put a reason why similar to how you kind of can on LinkedIn. Um, Does anyone have private accounts anymore? Just curious. Instagram is also rolling out the ad poll feature to post. I actually do have this um, and it seems like it needs some bugs worked out from what I've seen the first few days that uh, we've had access to this. But on one of the accounts that I manage, I was putting together a caption and then option for add a poll came up. So I filled it out. It did not translate over to the actual post. So again, it seems like there are some kinks to work out, but this is pretty cool. Um, I'm starting to play around with it a little bit more. I don't think it's really easy for people to just click yes or no. Like they have to click vote and then it takes them to a different place where they can vote. So I'm not sure how easy that is just yet. But again, this is just the first release. We'll have to see how it changes as time goes on. This is absolutely wild. TikTok is testing 30 
minute uploads. I watched a video recently about all the things that TikTok is basically doing wrong. And the longer upload time, I think, and I agree with this, is something that people are talking about very frequently of being an issue for TikTok. You are a platform for short form video. That's what you do best. We love it. Just like Instagram, you know, like we love Instagram when they just do like really great photo posts. Like these apps know what they're good at, but they have to tap into what their competitors are doing. So TikTok trying to be more like YouTube. I will tell you right now, there's literally no way in this lifetime that I'm going to spend 30 minutes watching a TikTok video. There's just not. I don't like even when I see like a six minute video or a seven minute video, I'm like, what are you? No, this is go put it on YouTube. Okay, we're not watching it here. Instagram has launched a test of new alternative profile options currently called Flipside. Uh, We talked about this super, super long time ago when uh, someone who had kind of like gone to the back end of what they're testing in the app had talked about it, but it will allow you to basically choose who can see your profile and create posts that only go to that space. So it kind of is like a Finsta from what I'm getting. You'll be able to visit and view your flip side as an alternative profile gallery gallery where you can add a new profile name and picture. Like, And this is basically just for them to pr- focus on private sharing. Um, this is basically a Finsta, but it's connected to your account. Weird. Instagram has also rolled out the ability to turn off read re- read receipts in the DM. So basically, uh, you go to the setting in the individual chat and you could turn it off there. I have not been able to find out if this actually turns it off for all of the chats or just that one chat that you turned it off on because it's not like in your general settings in the specific settings of um, one chat that you're in. So it's kind of weird. Not really sure. But again, we'll figure it out. Okay, that was a lot. And I literally skipped like half the news that I didn't think was super relevant. So uh, if you're curious to hear about like 10 other pieces of news uh, for Instagram and threads and TikTok and all the things, go to the show notes in the uh, description here and you'll be able to see it all because there's just not enough time in the world to read all of this. <laughs> so we're going to be going back to the basics with this episode and giving you some food for thought if you are having a hard time monetizing or just getting into monetizing. So let's dive right into it. dive into this, I need to give you three stats that I think are super, super impressive and really show you that people are buying stuff online. Okay. Social media advertising accounted for 33% of all digital advertising spend in 2022. One third. Social selling provides 45% more sales opportunities than traditional sales. Almost a 50% increase. That's insane. The global influencer marketing uh, market value stood at 21.1 billion US dollars as of 2023. That's impressive on its own, but it is more than tripled since 2019. What does that tell us about the trajectory of influencer marketing? Sis, it's going to continue to grow. We're just at the beginning here. Um, So that's a great stat actually for anyone who says it's too late. There's too many creators. How do I make money? Okay. We have money to spend here very clearly. So today we're going to talk about four different ways that you can monetize your online influence and I'm going to give you the basic checklist on how to get started on them. We have individual episodes on many of these topics already. So if you want to go really, really, really far in depth, 
go to those episodes, this is going to give you the the basic rundown of here's some options and here's how you can actually get started with them. And we're going to start off with number one, which is brand partnerships. Obviously, this is the most basic uh, option for creators. Like most content creators think, oh, how I make money is through brand partnerships. So let's take it back to the basics of a brand partnership. Why are brands actually hiring creators? Typically, there are three different reasons. They could be on their own. The brand just wants to hire you for one of these. Or the brand may hire you for basically like a campaign that combines multiple of these scenarios. The first one is brand awareness. This is where a brand genuinely just wants to get the word out about their product, about a launch, about their brand, about a new initiative, anything. They want people people to be aware of their brand and what their brand is doing. The second one is content creation. Maybe this brand just really thrives on user-generated content. They thrive on sharing uh, tutorials that other people are doing. Whatever it might be, that brand really wants to hire creators to get great content that they can use organically, that they can use in a a paid capacity. Um, They're really willing to front a ton of money here to have this entire campaign that's based around, we just need great content. And the third is conversion conversion campaign. So this is where the brand is hiring you because they want you to convert. They want you to make sales. They want you to get people to go to the website and make a sale. So typically you're going to see a combination of both of these. Like maybe the brand wants to get your content for uh, an ad. So they're kind of dipping into content creation, but they also want you to post it so that you can have some brand awareness or even some conversion. So there's definitely multiple scenarios where these might cross over, but brand awareness, content creation, and conversion campaigns are the three different types of campaigns that you're very frequently going to see. Obviously, you guys know at this point, there is UGC, which is a huge buzzword. Let me just quickly explain to you why UGC is like such a weird concept for me. User-generated content is, or was, I should say, if I were, you know, a random chick with an Instagram and I posted this cute little tutorial and then a brand said, hey, you created this tutorial. Can we use it uh, on our socials or use it for an ad or whatever? Typically, it's where organically, the content was already created. And then the brand said, oh, we want this. We want to use this. Now user generated content is where brands are literally hiring the creators to make this content and then using it in ads or organically. So user generated content is not what it used to be. But you'll see so many creators now that are UGC creators. They're creating ads that very likely they are not going to post on their page. It's mostly just for the brand's usage in ads or even organically. Um, But there's obviously UGC and then sponsored work. Now, I know that these seem like two very different concepts because the the brand is really going to be using them in in two different ways. But I want to tell you why they're actually not that different when you are in talks with a brand. If you're having a conversation with a brand that you really want to work with, maybe you're getting on a little intro call with them. You do not know what that brand wants. So how are you, before you have a conversation with them, supposed to say, hey, I'm a UGC creator and I want to create UGC. What if they don't want UGC? You know, like, are you really going to not do sponsored work if you are someone who does both? So I would tell you, when you are having conversation with a brand, it's really great for you to ask, what are your marketing goals? So that they can tell you what they need. They can tell you, is this brand awareness, content creation, or conversion that they're looking for? So then you can say, oh, great, you're looking for content. 
awesome. I'm happy to do some UGC for you or whatever it might be. So you can best recommend as a service provider what you can do to help them reach their goals, but not until you know what their goals are. So I think when you're having conversations with a brand, like when you're sending a pitch or when you're doing the anti-pitch method, you do not need to be presenting yourself specifically as a UGC creator or specifically as uh, just a regular influencer or content creator. I often get the question of, oh, hey, like I know how to pitch for sponsored work, but I want to pitch for UGC. Like, what should I say? And I really don't think that the conversation should be very different because in both scenarios, you should be asking the brand what they need instead of, you know, telling them, here's what I'm going to do for you. That's like you walking into Sephora to buy a foundation and the person who greets you is like, oh, come on, let me show you the fragrances. You're going to get a fragrance. But you're like, no, I'm here for a foundation. And they're like, no, but you're going to get a fragrance. That's what I'm giving you. (laughs) Like, it just doesn't make sense. They need to ask you, what are you here for? What do you need? What can I help you with? And then you can, they can uh, more accurately help you once they know actually what you need, right? It makes sense when we think about it in that capacity. So UGC and sponsor work realistically shouldn't be different when you're pitching, in my opinion, um, or when you're anti-pitching. You guys have heard me talk a lot about the anti-pitch method. So I'm not even going to give you the whole spiel. I will tell you there is a free downloadable guide in the show notes where you can grab the anti-pitch method guide for free so you can learn a little bit more about it. My perspective that I teach here is really one that is going to help you more in the long run. I don't want you to just send out a million cold pitch emails because what very often happens with those is you don't get responses or you end up working with a brand once and you never talk to them again. I want you to be building relationships. I want you to be networking so that you do have these relationships and people in your network that are going to be more of a presence. They're going to be there for a longer period of time. Um, They're going to be part of your network. There's going to be longevity and sustainability there when it comes to, you know, getting these people who hire you and then ideally keeping them in your network and getting them to hire you more frequently. So I do think that that's really important for you to know about if you're not using the anti-pitch method yet, go get that free download and check it out. So when it comes to brand partnerships, the getting started checklist is as follows. First, I want you to focus on building a loyal targeted audience. And before you ask, no, you do not need a certain number of followers to start working with brands, but you do need an audience who gives a shit about what you have to say. If you do not have that, I can almost guarantee most brands are just not going to want to work with you. So work on getting your audience to be loyal and really interested in what you have to say and also very targeted before you start reaching out to brands. I think that's the foundation. That's step one. And when I say targeted, I mean, I want to know exactly who your audience is and what they need. I don't want them to just be like, oh yeah, they just like when I talk about books and when I talk about home decor and a recipe and my outfit and my dogs. I want you to focus on one specific thing, grow an audience who is incredibly targeted and and you know exactly who they are and what they need, then you can kind of go out from there. Second step, ensure that your mission is clear in your bio, your content, your highlights, like literally everywhere so that brands can understand who you are at a quick glance. These brands just don't have time to be looking through 5,000 pieces of content of yours. They're gonna look at your bio and highlights quick. They're gonna look at a few pieces of content and they need to very quickly 
understand who you are, what you do, and who your audience is. Number three is to start to what I call warm up the brands that you want to work with organically. Engage in their social content, start having conversations with the brand, start commenting, start responding to stories, show them your handle multiple times so they see your handle and they recognize it so that when you do start to use the anti-pitch method, they already know who you are. Even if you are not a beginner, this is something to check in on. Are you doing these three things? Really, truly, are you doing them and are you doing them well? Take a look at what you're doing with these three steps. If you feel like you're having a hard time monetizing, something is not adding up. Maybe your audience is not loyal. They're not targeted. Maybe people are coming to your page and just not understanding what you're doing. And maybe you're just not putting in the hard work to get brands to know that you actually exist. Those are three things that are like no negotiation uh, mandatory. The second way that you can monetize, and this is kind of a branch of brand partnerships, is through affiliate partnerships. And I don't even want to spend a lot of time here if I'm being transparent because there are pros and cons. And honestly, most of the time, I think there are more cons than pros. Um, The pro that I can think of with affiliate partnerships is that typically it's a very low barrier to entry. Since brands do not have to pay you that flat fee straight out. So basically, you're getting paid maybe a 5 to say 20% commission per sale. Um, But you typically can just go on the website and apply to be an affiliate or like, you know, a brand will just offer it to everyone because like they make money, you make money, everything's great. Um, But they don't have to worry about paying you a flat rate and then like hustling to get their money back. The con is that you are not getting a flat rate. You are solely relying on you making sales. Uh, And if you are someone who's really good at telling people about the brand, but then they go to the website and the website sucks and it's $25 for shipping or whatever, like you lose a lot of your sales there. So you're depending a lot on the brand to have a really great checkout process. And a lot of them don't. And I think that's very problematic. So that is a big con. Uh, On top of the fact that you're making 5 to 20%, if you're selling a $30 foundation, what is 5% going to do? Like you literally cannot even buy a coffee with that. Moral of the story with affiliate partnerships, are they good? First thing I want to say is just go refer back to the gifted partnership episode that we recorded uh, right before this. Uh, It's one of our most recent episodes. This is a really good perspective on affiliate partnerships because I really don't think they're always bad. I just think there's a lot that you need to consider. And we went into it far in depth in the episode about gifted partnerships. Um, The reason why I think they're good is it's a foot in the door. You know, like if you really can't work out some sort of formally compensated partnership with the brand at the very least, at least you have your foot in the door now. But it can also be really difficult to get paid from there. So if you've got your foot in the door and you're making five to 20% commission uh, with this brand, what's to say they need to pay you now? There are you're already cool doing commission, you know, so sometimes I do think that can be more of a con. Uh, So this is really 5050. Again, look back at that gifted partnership episode right before this, that's going to give you a fuller rundown on why it could be good and why it may also be problematic at the same time. The third thing that I want to talk about here, and honestly, one of, I think, the greatest, greatest things that I did in my business was creating digital products and services. Um, There are literally digital products and services for every single niche, for every single target audience. You can monetize your expertise in this way. And especially if you already have a following 
following that's willing to come and spend time commenting on your stuff and listening to your stories and watching your reels, there's a very good chance that what you sell to them is also going to be really helpful to them. So this is one of my favorite ways to monetize. I want to give you some examples uh, for anyone who's like, "Eh, I don't know, what would I sell? I have no ideas. Let me give you some ideas. First, me. Hi, teaching creators how to monetize, right? Like there is free content that I'm giving you. There is also the support of mentorship and community that I'm giving you with my digital services um, and, and education that I'm giving you with my digital products. So there's plenty of different ways that you can take a, a skill like that and turn it into products and services. Um, another example, maybe you're a virtual assistant and you're teaching people how to plan retreats. Like maybe that's your shtick. That could be in a course format. That could be one-on-one coaching. That could be an ebook. Another example, maybe you're a chef who is teaching people how to put together meal plans for the week. And maybe you could do that as like a membership where every week you come together and let's talk about what we're, we're eating this week. Then you could also have an ebook. So there's services, there's products. Maybe you are a fitness expert who's coaching people in their fitness journey and you have a challenge that people pay for. That's a, it's kind of more of a product. Uh, maybe you're a creator who's offering consulting or educational speaking opportunities. There's so many digital services and products. I mean, I'm literally scratching, scratching the surface here. There are just so many. Now, things to know about selling your services. Uh, technically, anyone with the knowledge can sell their expertise online. You literally, like if you know how to do something, sell it, right? Like here's the thing though. That's a pro and a con. It's it's a low barrier to entry. If you know what you're doing, you can find a way to sell it. That's great. However, that also is one of the big problems with like, the, especially the coaching industry. This is something that I struggle with very often is I'm, I know I'm confident in what I have to offer for my knowledge and my expertise, but there are also people who have been a creator for six months and now are coaches, right? So not to say they, they don't know, maybe they just haven't had the same level of experience. And so when I charge the same thing as they do, like it, it makes it a very different experience depending on who you're hiring. So I think that's a pro and a con that really anyone can sell their expertise. Also to be a successful service provider or sell a digital product, you do not need to have a ton of followers, just a targeted audience. And this is where that targeting comes into play so, so, so much because the more targeted your audience the more you know exactly what they need. And then you are able to create something that perfectly solves their problems, right? So this is actually something that I learned along the way. Originally, when I first started Social Me, I was offering social media like advice, expertise, whatever for everyone, for anyone, small business owners, photographers, like literally anyone who came to me, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, now I'm mostly 90% of the time and working with content creators and Yes, that narrowed down the amount of people that I could work with. Obviously, there are still so many content creators, so it really doesn't matter. But I am now more targeted. So when I'm writing my sales page and when I'm writing my emails and when I'm recording this podcast, I know who's listening to it. And it's easy for me to say, hey, I know what you're going through because I I know who you are, right? So when you do have that targeted audience, I know it's scary to target a specific group of people um, or 
not target everyone, I should say. But listen, I mean, I'm I'm proof right here that when you are more targeted and you can speak directly to that person and they can see it and say, oh my gosh, she's speaking right to me. That's just so much more powerful than, hey, I'm a social media expert, right? The other thing too, coaches, courses, consulting, it is not always cheap. Most of the time it's not. So this is a great opportunity to build a full-time income. When I started putting a majority of my focus into coaching and, you know, social suite and brand BFF instead of solely brand partnerships, my income went from being 70% brand partnerships, 30% coaching to the complete opposite. Now my income is probably 70% social suite and my coaching and brand BFF. And then the other 30% is brand partnerships. So it really, what you are pushing out there as your focus uh, can really make a difference in in how your income is getting split up. And I'll tell you, you can definitely make a full-time income off of having a membership or a course or coaching, whatever it might be. All of this to say, most important thing, you need multiple streams of income if you're going to do this full time. Please, please, please do not quit your job if you've just done brand partnerships or if you have plans to just do brand partnerships. You need to have multiple streams of income because I'll tell you from doing this for years and from working with people doing this for years, you are not going to have brand partnerships that are bringing in the amount of money that you need to every single month. That's just not how it works every month. Some months are dried up and horrible and scary. And some months you're like, wow, I'm so rich. (laughs) So like you need to have multiple streams of income so that when one is, you know, kind of a little scary and dried out, the other one is hopefully flourishing, right? And then you don't have to like have a panic attack when you look at your bank account during a scary month. When you are building your digital products and services, one of the most important things to think about, what is your goal and who is the audience? What are the problems that they have and how are you solving them? So for example, Social Suite, which is our private creator membership community. Hi, if you're not there yet and you're listening, what are you doing? Uh, Creators who are looking for education and support in growing their business business, that is where social suite comes into play. That's where those creators are going. So I know exactly who needs social suite and I'm able to use their language. I'm able to use my sales pages to speak directly to them. I have the understanding of the goal and who my audience is and what problems they have and how I can solve them. And me being able to answer all those questions makes Social Suite a more successful offer. Because if I was just, again, being like, hey, this is like for people who use social media, like, what is, okay, that's everyone. What's the problem? How are you solving it? Who are you talking to more specifically? You need to get specific. And I'll tell you too, it takes trial and error, uh, especially when you are just getting an offer off the ground. My gosh, Social Suite, we launched it in June 2022. So it's been like almost two years now. And literally maybe the first six months, I was like, I, this is a dumb idea. Like this sucks. No one likes it. I'm canceling it. We're getting rid of it. Stick with it. It takes trial and error. You're going to learn about things that you just, you're like, why did I do this? This is dumb. Let me get rid of this, but let me try this instead. And it's okay to take your customers on that journey with you. You just have to be 
open and communicative with them. Um, there were some things in Social Suite that I offered at first. Like we used to have a whole page that every Monday I would update it with like a huge page of uh, trending audio and stuff. And I found that no one was really using it. So I ended up taking it off. So then I, you know, changed the pricing around a little bit because I was offering a little bit less. You know, these are things that take trial and error. Done is better than perfect. You're going to put something out, an ebook, a course, a membership, whatever it is, and it's probably going to suck or at the very least it will not be perfect. It's okay because A, it's probably never going to be perfect. It will probably always be evolving. But B, you don't need it to be perfect. You need to put it out there, learn from it, and then continue to tailor it as you grow. That's how your business grows. So done is better than perfect. Do not wait to release something until it is perfect. Did you hear me? Do not wait to release something until it is perfect because you will literally never release it. Okay. And we're not doing that. So your get started checklist for your digital products and or services. First, focus on building a loyal targeted audience. Does this sound familiar? It was your checklist for the first one. The more specific, the better. So you can tailor your service and then you can figure out what they need or want that you can provide. Second thing, establish yourself as an expert. Create content that shows that you know your stuff. For me personally, 95% of my content, maybe that's closer to like 80, 85%. Okay, let's call it 80%. 80% of my content is about what I talk about here. Content creator, how to build your online influence how to build your monetization. Like all of that is what I focus on, right? And because I have done so much focusing on that, I have established myself as an expert. Everyone I talk to in person on my DMs, every single person I have a conversation with, it feels like in my entire life is asking me something about social media. (laughs) Like I have officially established myself as an expert. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And then people are gonna be like, hey, we get it, you know about this. And then you will be establishing yourself as an expert. Then I want you to be, Begin to build credibility by working with other outlets, working with news outlets, just show that you're an expert. So for example, reach out to Business Insider, reach out to AdAge. If you're a fashion creator, reach out to Stylecaster, Um, reach out to these different outlets and, and try and pitch them stories where maybe you are taking photos or sharing photos or writing an article or you're just getting quoted in an article, whatever it might be. But this is gonna help you really, really start to establish yourself as an expert, right? Because when we look at people's sales page and it says featured in this, featured in that, featured in that, we're like, dang, okay, we get it. She's an expert. I want you to have that level of expertise. You got to make it happen though. And the fourth, and honestly, the most boring way to monetize in my opinion, but okay, sometimes it's really good is platform bonuses and incentives. Obviously it's one way to make money, but typically not a lot of money unless you have a massively large following or view count, or one of these platforms is just doing something really crazy and special. Um, like I remember Instagram was doing stuff where (laughs) I don't know, I got money for going live every time I went live and I must have made like a couple thousand dollars. So sometimes these platforms will do those really special types of monetization or incentives for posting or doing certain things. Um, But there's a few that seem to stay. TikTok, uh, obviously they got rid of one of their programs recently. Now there is the creativity program. A lot of people are making great money for this. Uh, Even TikTok shop, that's another one as well. Don't be afraid to utilize those, but please do not put all your eggs in this basket you are not going to be able to pay your bills um, consistently. Maybe you have really good months, but what if this goes away? Then what do you have? You know, you can't solely uh, rely on one of these platforms. Instagram has badges, uh, which I don't know why they're called badges. It's basically 
tips for going live, right? People can leave you a little tip. It's like 99 cents to $5 for saying, hey, thanks for going live. This was great. However, A, most of us just realistically are not going live very often. Uh, And B, again, this is just not sustainable. What if you have a live where like no one shows up or no one tips, right? Maybe it's really good for some time. But again, if this goes away, we do not know how we're going to make money. So you have to have multiple streams of income, this being maybe one of them. Subscriptions is also something that Instagram has where you can create exclusive content for people. They pay monthly for it and then they get access to it. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, please don't build a subscription on Instagram. I just, you do not want to build on a platform that could literally one day shut this down. If you are building elsewhere, we don't own our audience. You know, what if one day Instagram shuts down? We have literally nothing if we haven't built an email list or we haven't built a subscription elsewhere, whatever it might be. You need to be able to take your audience off of these platforms um, if you do want to start a subscription because you just do not know what's going to happen with Instagram tomorrow, next month, next year, and five years. Um, So Circle is a really, really great membership uh, community website, whatever, that I have used for Social Suite for a couple years now. Um, Also, Thinkific has a great option, but please build it off of Instagram. I just think it's a less scary option. And we have YouTube, which we know YouTube actually does pretty good. I would say maybe one of the best of these platforms for the incentive that they give you for posting. So with the percentage that they give you, the math typically ends up being around $18 for every 1,000 ad views. Uh, So this could actually be pretty lucrative. But again, if you have slower months, it's just a little scary to solely depend on this. I think it should be one of your avenues of income, not the full shebang. Moral of the story, what have you learned today? You need multiple streams of income to survive, period, as a creator. Maybe not in other realms of life. (laughs) But in this realm of life, my friend, you need multiple streams of income. Just trust me, some months will be very scary. If not, B, most of these are going to take time to build and they are not going to be perfect upon release. The best advice, if you listen to anything that I've said today, if you are putting something out there, it is not going to be perfect. Just put it out, dude. You will figure out what needs to be changed as you go. It'll get better and better and better as time goes on. And people aren't going to be mad at you if it's a little shitty at the beginning, okay? If they are supporting you, if they're okay spending money with you, on you, they're going to be cool if you need to tweak a couple things. Trust me, I've been there. Many people have been there and we have all survived. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop and I will see you all next week. Bye.